Rye Gave a 13th Horror Podcast is a proud independent podcast. To learn more about the show, visit frygave13.com. Welcome back to America's favorite reality program, Frygay's Drag Relay. Category is Podcast Realness. Please welcome to the main stage, Tori Anus. Anus may be my name, but ass is surely my game. And second to the stage, Suffy Bummers. There may be vampires out there, but I'll be doing this laying tonight. You know, I really like Suffy, but what is with that wig? Tori is just as much of a fake person as that ass padding is. Slain girl is just playing. Hope she can sing because that mug is not serving much. Hey, wait, why are we talking like we can't hear each other? Oh, is this not a confessional? Uh, oops. It's episode 110. Drag is terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the time we honor thee from life to death. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! When do we want it? Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. What was supposed to be a quiet reading time with drag queen Panda Dulce ended like this. Did you guys call the cops? It was stormed by eight proud boys um, who disrupted the event. The incident occurred Saturday and witnesses who wanted to stay anonymous say the group that disrupted the event was acting aggressively and yelling offensive slurs against the LGBTQ plus community. You know, they came in and they were screaming about like pedophilia and saying things like we have to save the children. And I mean, they were terrifying the children. Welcome to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Maddie. And I'm Andrew. And if this is your first time joining us at Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, we are the podcast that talks about horror. Horror in real life and in the movies from an LGBT perspective. Uh, this is our 110th episode. It's all about drag, something that Andrew and I both have a lot of fun with and love. Um, and we're looking forward to, to um, you know, bringing you through this episode like we always do. Uh, we've got a couple of really great films lined up, um, sort of obscure things that we don't normally cover. And I'm really glad that we are. Um, and Andrew, this is going to be a good one. You ready? Yeah, I'm excited. But before we talk about the wonderful world of drag queens and drag kings, let's take a slight turn or a screech over to the Certified (laughs) Terrifying Corner. Sure. So two items for you today. Uh, So first one is this. And, you know, folks, too, you're going to be listening to this um, just after Thanksgiving. And uh, so, you know, look where we, the, the news is kind of here and there. So I also want to say, like, you know, whether you're traveling for Thanksgiving or whether you're in Europe and you don't even celebrate Thanksgiving, be safe and have fun. Eat a turkey. It's going to be good. Or eat some kind of tofu or something. Um, anywho, uh, first one here is this. 
Um, the Democrats in America are going to have a pretty tough time keeping the Senate. And the reason why is that that fucking weirdo Joe Manchin has decided that he's not going to run for the Senate again. Now, that sounds like fun. Sounds cool because we don't like him anyway. But guess what? He's a Democrat in West Virginia and the only Democrat that can really win. So this means that it will be incredibly unlikely that another Democrat will pick up that seat. It's likely going to be a Republican and the Democrats will lose the Senate. Not a lot of fun considering everything that's going on right now. Um, but that's just the reality. You know, this is this is American politics. Yeah, uh, I had not heard this until you put it on our worksheet, yeah. and then I kind of lo- looked it up. But I honestly didn't even know West Virginia had a Democrat for <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. And I mean, look, he hasn't acted like a Democrat for a long time, so yeah, you know, it's, sure. it's it's not a surprise if anyone thought that he wasn't. Um, but unfortunately, not not good stuff. So there's that one. The next one here is that Mike Johnson. Uh, a Republican is the new Speaker of the House. Um, this dude is a fucking weirdo. Um, I oh, forget God. where he's from. Louisiana, I believe. He's from Louisiana. That doesn't that make sense? Um, he is like full on, like big time, kooky evangelical Christian, and he believes in some wacky shit. Um, one of the fun things that that that's come out about this dude is that like he and his he and his son have some kind of app that like tracks their porn usage what yeah no this is and this is a real story i'm not making this up he actually talked about this like him and his son and like his son is like a, i don't know a teenager or older than that i'm not really sure but like they keep each other accountable on not watching porn and there's some kind of app that like looks at your computer and looks at your phone and tells your accountability partner if you've like watched porn um, now, look, that's fucked up enough as it is, right? But here's the thing. The Speaker of the House is the third person in line to the presidency. So if the president dies, VP comes in. If the VP dies, the Speaker of the House becomes president. I just want to point that out to people, right? This is a position that holds an incredible amount of power in the country. So there is a man who has a cell phone with some wacky third-party app that is constantly looking at everything that he does. That's Weird. not good, dude. That That's not good for safety and security and for privacy. So, I mean, just on so many levels fucked up, but on that level too. Also, I don't know if you knew this about him, but um, he did an interview when he was elected Speaker of the House, him and his wife, and they basically said that this was told by the bible and ordained by god that he would become speaker of the house <sighs> yeah i don't think so <laughs> there's nothing in also, the bible about, about that <laughs> just to give you a little bit of history on mike fucking johnson this is the guy who tried to criminalize gay sex in louisiana so fuck you yeah he's, <laughs> he's a real piece of shit um, but you know, look, it's they they get what they ask for, and this is this is the one that um, that America's going to have to deal with that they that the Republicans unanimously brought in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, you know, the last thing that I'll say here is this, and you know, look, that this will this will be released in about you know ten days or whatever. So you know, hopefully things change. But of course, the the war in 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 Israel and and Palestine rages on, and Israel and Hamas are at each other's throats, and it's it's so terrible. Um, you know, the one thing that I would just say about this is, is this, um, this is, this is a complex situation 
it's more complex than TikTok will have you believe. And I think that if you're engaging in protest or in this or that or whatever, I think it's a good thing. You should go out and, and make your voice heard. But for the love of God, go do some research. Go read books. Go look into the history. Don't believe everything that you're hearing. And I mean this on both sides. I really do. This is so awful what's going on. And I'm seeing it tear people apart all over the place. I'm seeing friends that are no longer friends. I'm seeing family members not, not talking to each other anymore. I'm seeing, you know, my my Jewish friends in a lot of anguish and in a lot of fear. I'm seeing, you know, friends of mine that um, that are. I, mean, I don't I don't have any Palestinian friends, um, but I mean, like you know, folks that are Muslims or you know, folks that are that that have an, have a have an Arabic background that they're afraid too. There's so much fear. There's so much death. There's so much destruction. Don't add to that. You know, don't add to that. Let's let's try to make peace happen. And in a in in a in a in a real world, guess what? Palestine will still be there, and Israel will still be there. That's what's going to happen, and it's going to have to be two groups of people that get together and fucking figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, we need peace. We don't need more fucking drama all over the place. That's my thought on that. Yeah, it's a it's it's a real shame that we can't see the humanistic part in war and what it does, and just. Cut it out, you weirdos! Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's really terrible shit. I'm, and I'm just I'm so tired of everyone thinking that they're the expert, and everyone saying that you know, no, you're completely wrong. You know what? You don't fucking know. How about that? You don't fucking know. So like, fucking, I don't know. Go read some books. Put TikTok away. I am very very tired of TikTok. Anyways, Andrew, that's it for the certified terrifying corner. Let's get on with the show. Yes, on with the show we shall go. And with this being an all-drag uh, conversation, we felt like we would be doing a disservice to our audience without bringing on someone that had some drag royalty, if we do say so ourselves. Yes. Uh, so here on the show today, we have director, writer, performer, all-around great person, Peaches Christ. Peaches, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I love your show. Thank you. Peaches. Oh, that's so nice. Um, Peaches, you know, we, we, we've we had you folks on before talking about Midnight Mass. Um, and, you know, we, we love you. We love Michael Verratti, of course. And it's just incredible stuff that you've done. And looking at your career, like the stuff that you have made happen is is just so, you know, the word I'm looking for is admirable. Oh. That's the word I'm looking for. Well, and you. um you know we later later in the show our our listeners will will hear more about about your film all about evil um which was really really incredible and just so much fucking fun to watch um i mean i i will watch mink stole fucking do anything you know um and <laughs> same, and just so much fun. same <laughs> right right so but peaches you know being with us on this on this drag is terrifying episode um it's just, it's so special for us and for our listeners. And I think what would be really great to start with is just, I mean, like literally start at the beginning and, you know, can you tell folks about like, how did you, what, what was the fir very first kernel in your head that said, Hmm, this is something that I need to explore. Well, of course I, uh, think about this a lot because I get asked this question a lot and my answer yeah. has changed over the years because you you sort of unlock different memories or think about things differently as you grow older yeah. and um, I can really trace things back to like my first real 
probably, you know, uh, inspiration came from Elvira and Pee Wee Herman. Mm -hmm. Now I didn't know or connect that they were drag performers in in the, in the way that I think about drag until much later in life. So that's, that's what I mean about my answer changing, but I was very drawn to the idea that you could kind of be a character who exists in, in different forms of media like television, you could go on Johnny Carson, you could you could be in your own movie, you could have your own mm-hmm. children's TV show, you could host a, a movie, you know, whatever. All the things they did. But I also knew, I, I, I understood that they weren't, you know, that they were performers, they were actors who lived as these characters to some yeah. degree. Um, but it wasn't until later, till I was older, that um, the concept of drag in the more traditional sense was, was introduced to me. Um, in the form of divine, uh, mm. really pretty simultaneously with Frankenfurter. Um, I, I discovered, I grew up in Maryland. I discovered John Waters and, and his movies when I was in junior high school. And that was around the same time that I attended the first of many, many Rocky Horror Picture Show screenings. And Ugh. I think that's why so specifically, you know, John divine, you know, uh, Tim Curry, the entire Rocky yeah. Horror family, and Elvira and Paul Rubens. Like when I really think about all the ingredients that get that you know made for Peaches Christ, that that that's really what it all is. Wow. So when when was the the very first time that Peaches Christ came out? Well, I was a film student at Penn State, and um, I, you know, I, I didn't want to go too far from Maryland, but there was no film program in Maryland, so I went to Penn sure. State, and um, I was making my senior thesis film, Jizz Mopper, a love story. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the the faculty at Penn State were um, not thrilled about me. Mo- most of the students were, um, you know, Martin Scorsese uh, wannabes, and um, sure. you know, they were. I, I, I they just was a very straight white male um, film, you know, uh, yeah. program. And excuse me, I was. Um, yeah, I was I was obviously very very inspired by my idol John Waters and um I had written this part. I co-wrote the script and the guy I was writing it with had written this part for the manager of the um adult uh store where the movie took place to be played by um it was kind of like an apu, like an Indian stereotype. Yeah, sure, you know? sure. And um even back then like in the mid 90s I kind of knew that that was tired and not <laughs> correct in a way you know um i'm not going to pat myself on the back too much but i did know that that wasn't the direction i wanted to go in so i asked if we could turn the character into a drag queen um and and his pushback was like why would a drag queen manage you know an adult you know bookstore video you know it was a strip strip club bookstore these things existed all over pennsylvania at the time even though the movie took place in um manhattan and times square um Anyway, get this. We do, we, he agrees to it. We do the movie. The manager of Adult World in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where we shot the movie, a drag queen. Um, and so <laughs> it was like, it was, you know, a great moment for me when I was able to turn to him and say, I see, I told you. But I digress. The actor we'd hired to play the drag performer. Um, he was just very flaky. And, they, and remember, drag was not popular. Actually, drag was kind of yeah. hated at the time. And, sure. um, you know, it just it was it was 1995. And so I became uh, 
peaches in front of the camera in that movie. And um, I would have been Peaches Christ, but the Christian cinematographer who was already um, so uncomfortable doing the movie um, (laughs) begged me when he heard the name Peaches Christ, he begged me. So if you see the movie, I'm Peaches Nevada. But deep down inside, I was always Peaches Christ. And, And I graduated from Penn State. And when I got on the plane to San Francisco two weeks later with no money, no place to live, no job, Um, the one thing I had was the name Christ, you know, and I, that I, and I got to San Francisco in 96 and, and yeah. And I just, I was peaches Christ from then on. No, no peaches. You mentioned something really interesting there that in in 95 drag was hated. Yeah. And, you know, and now we're, we're in this, this, uh, you know, however many years later, what, 18, you know, 28 years later, whatever. Um, I'm not good at math. Um, it's, 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 it's a long time. It's 20. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. The, 28, 28, the years. one with two in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. 28. So, you know, 28 years later, here we are. And, you know, we're at this really interesting juncture with drag where, you know, like drag is both like maybe more popular than it's ever been. For right? sure. I mean, there's, there's, there's yeah. it's all over TV with RuPaul or with Dragula, yeah. you know, dra- drag queen story hours are popular. There's drag brunches all over the fucking place. I mean, come on. But at the same time, there's also this incredible hatred for it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wonder, you know, for you looking at this over over the the span of those years, are you seeing, you know, are you seeing common themes today that you saw back then in 95? Kind of. I mean, I think that the thing in 95 was that drag queens, I don't think we were In fact, I was drawn to drag because it was punk rock and underground and divisive and, you know, problematic. I mean, I was I was inspired by, of course, there's always been drag. Drag has been around forever. But there was this sort of like, um, you know, in the 40s, 50s, even 60s and beyond. Still today, there was always this sort of socially acceptable um drag that was performed for straight people, which usually was, um, look at the illusion. Can you believe this person is Mm. doing Barbara Streisand? You know, that kind of thing. Not Mm. that there's anything wrong with that. It's fine. In fact, I love that. Um, But it's not what inspired me. I was inspired by the notion that Divine ate dog shit. You know, like that Mm, Frankenfurter was so sexy while also being so kind of ugly, you know, and that's what drew me to drag, you know, all of that. So in, I guess, I guess it's the difference then was that we didn't look for acceptance from the wider straight community. Mm, You know, we were basically performing in a way for each other. It was sort of hurtful at the time when I talk about drag, not being celebrated, there was this movement in the queer community um, who before, you know, had, had lauded drag performers uh, to some degree. There was a bigger movement to, you know, kind of erase us, especially from mm-hmm. things like yeah. pride parades and, and be, being part of the movement. The HRC uh, definitely, you know, had a hand in that. And, you good know, it was HRC, it, it, good old HRC. Yeah. And they wanted, you know, it was, it was, the the game, you know, uh, I I I see. I won't use the word queer because it was really like yeah. the gay rights movement. I think I think yeah. you're right. I think yeah. I, I agree with you on this. Yeah, they were fighting for marriage equality, 
and drag queens just didn't fit into their agenda. Now, as a more yeah. mature person later in life, I can look back and go, okay, as a political move, I get where they were coming from. As a queer person, I could give a shit, you know? So it's like, yeah. you know, it's why my identity is sort of um, always been more um, queer first, you know, rather than gay. I mean, of course I'm, I'm all those things, but I'm a weirdo before I'm a gay man. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. So, you know, I, I mean, uh, th thinking about taking this a little bit further, and this will be my last question, Andrew, I've, I've been talking the whole time. I'm sorry. Um, you know, thinking about today then right now, because I, I agree with you, it's, it's, it's less of a common thread. I think that, that the threat today is a lot more pernicious Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we have I mean, look, the queer community has, has always faced violence. The, the drag community has always faced violence. Transgender folks have always faced violence. And, and all together as a community, we, it's, it's nothing new to us. Right. But I mean, I think that maybe the ferocity of it these days might be, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taken back to the, the, the terrible shooting that happened in, in Colorado and in, in Colorado Springs. Uh, I forget the name of the bar now, but you know, while, while drag performers were, were performing. I mean, the things that are in people's heads now about getting rid of us, it's just something so, so odd. So, so, so evil to, to use yeah. a word for it. It really is. You know, I'm wondering, you know, for you who, who are, you've been in the community for such, for such a, a good long while and such an important part of it, quite frankly, you know, how are you and your friends in the community? How are you dealing with this like i mean like I, I know you're keeping yourself safe i i know all of that but i mean internally for you how do you how do you deal with that i think part of um what's happening now for me i'll, I'll speak as as a gen yeah. x you know queen who's been around a long time um yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not as perhaps um terrifying as people might think yeah. it would be sadly we're we've built up a lot of strong armor um mm -hmm. i would imagine for a younger generation you know who who's grown up with with drag queens on television some of this might be really shocking and jarring and an eye-opening um but i think for some of us older people it, it it's it's disgusting but it's also something we've seen play out right like yeah, this sure. is no different than you know the rise of donald trump or maga like anytime mm -hmm. there's um progress and th and you can look at this throughout history you know the, the 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 election of a black president incredible uh, amazing genius moment we're so you know fortunate to have seen that but there was going to be a response um yeah, sure. and i feel like with with the popularity of drag race and you know the internet and social media you've got all these sort of frightened you know assholes out there in the world who are watching their yeah. kids not not be as easily indoctrinated by their bullshit. So what do they do? Oh my God, it's the drag queens that are grooming my children. It's the drag queens yep. that are making it harder for me to teach them to hate people. Um, you know, mm. so they're freaking out and they want to ban us. But I actually don't look at all of this as sort of problematic. I look at it as like, oh, wow, Jesus, it's working. We really are yeah. having an effect on their communities and their their kids, you know, and they're, they're going to call us groomers. But what it really is, is they're just not as able to instill the sort of hate that they normally would be, mm -hmm. you know. And so they're watching their kids, you know, um, 
be exposed to this stuff and the kids are going, wait, well, you want me to hate Trixie Mattel? What? Sure. Like, yeah. why? <laughs> you know, I don't get it. You know what? She's going, she's going to hell for what reason? You know, so it is a really interesting thing. I will say that there's the, um, the actual scary part of just, you know, someone, because we live in a country where there's no gun control, you know, and there, there's a lot of mental illness. I'm not, um, what's I, I'm not minimizing the, those fears, but that's across the board. I mean, whether you're a drag queen or you're, um, you know, any, any minority group in our country, we should all be afraid of some, some lunatic, you know, shooting us, you know, that sadly is just a normal part of our American reality. Yeah. Wise words. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, a theory kind of a, a little while back, and like, why all of a sudden this is like so up in like the the news cycle and everything is like, and, and my theory was it's because drag queens are actually becoming successful. It's mm-hmm. because they're not necessarily, uh, you know, in the back of a dark bar anymore. Like they're on your television. They're like, they're actually making a living for once. You're totally right because that's where I've gotten the most pushback. I mean, I, I still mm. kind of exist in, in an underground type of way. And even though like my Terror Vault show, um, you know, it's at the old San Francisco Mint building and it's a big show. We just finished and we had yeah. 10,000 people come through that show. It's acceptable for me to do a horror show. However, when I went to do a show at the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra, um, there was a lot of pushback. And I think it's because, wow. oh, yeah, same thing when I did the Giants game in San Francisco, you know, at the uh, I forget what it's called. Is it Oracle Park? You'd think I would know. But, um, you know, the big <laughs> the big baseball stadium here, you know, but they, they featured Peaches um, at that. Uh, pride game or whatever. And it's like, that's where they freak out. So I think you've hit the nail on its head. It's like, you're fine to exist in your dark, horrific little corners where we don't have to deal with you, but how dare, you know, they come onto our stages in our stadiums, you know, our places. And that's Mm. where whenever I do an event like that, my social media is flooded to the degree where I think it's calculated. I actually think they Mm. must be robots because it's literally someone decides and pushes a button because all of a sudden after weeks of nothing, I will get, you know, hang yourself, go to hell, kill your, you know, all that stuff. But it's so, it's so, I, I, I wish someone would dig into it more because I'm like, this has gotta be just some, computer program it's just it's almost too ridiculous yeah as soon as you as soon as you pop up in the news it's like the ai bot is like well now it's time to threaten (laughs) yes yes exactly and and the reality of that is i am not that i've been on big stages uh forever obviously but i've been performing in places like that for a while you know like i was you know john waters calls it crossing over you know i kind of crossed over from from the underground into the into the sort of being respected by the institutions you know a while ago you know i made a movie i've done different things so it's not like i haven't been in these places before it's new this level of uh reaction this is a new thing and um you know i'm not convinced that it's not a lot of it's not computer generated 
Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, talking, we we've talked a lot about like external things, you know, happening to the drag community and kind of like that angle of it. But I would also like to explore something that we like to talk about on the show when we, you know, as being two gay men and experiencing hatred within our own community, is like the 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 exploitation of drag being a kind of snippy evil like (laughs) take each other down like place whereas like when i see it in real life not for dramatics on the screen everyone is so uh, like welcoming and want everyone they want to lift everybody up they want everyone to have time on the stage where do you think that comes from as far as like the personification of like a drag queen just being like a mean nasty snippy community you know what i mean well, I think that's rooted in misogyny, um, mm. a lot of that. You know, I think um, – and I think, unfortunately, whether we want to admit it or not, we have to admit that there's still um, a ridiculous amount of misogyny in the gay community. Um, I think, you know, a lot of uh, gay men are drawn to entertainment like the housewives, maybe for misogynistic reasons. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I know that I'm probably going to piss off some of your listeners – um, nope. And I, nope. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that uh, I see a connection there with this sort of idea of strong, um, outspoken, loud women or drag performers. Well, they let, let's have them battle each other. Let's have them tear mm. each other's wigs off. Let's have them, you know, steal from each other and all this stuff. Now, do drag queens fight with each other? Of course they do. But is that the 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 experience? you know, I've had in the community, um, by and large, no, in fact, that's the, that's the least of it. You know, I I feel Mm. like in my experience, and I'm also lucky enough to have traveled a lot and and I've been able to experience drag communities in different cities around the world. My experience overwhelmingly, like if we were to do a reality TV comparison, you know, obviously you've got, you know, things like the housewives and, and drag race, and especially Dragula, surprisingly, fits more in the um, in the realm of of that as far as the way the drag queens yeah, treat yeah. each other. Okay, mm-hmm. um, my experience would be that drag performers are more like the Great British Bake Off. Um, you know, they, they tend to <laughs> be, love it. You know, they tend to be less focused on the competition and seeing everyone do their thing. And if someone needs help, you know, they're going to help each other. Um, you know, it's, it's a community of people who want to lift each other up. I mean, the one thing Mm -hmm. about Bake Off that you don't have, um, is that we're, we're damaged because of the way we grew up. And so we have an inherent connection to each other. If you're drawn to drag, um, it's, it's often because you were bullied, you know, you were, Mm -hmm. you were told you shouldn't do this thing. You shouldn't be like this. And maybe that's a generational thing. Maybe I'm speaking as a person who grew up, you know, in a different era, but, you know, we tend to see, um, a real benefit to being with our people, you know, that we do not take for granted. You know, we didn't grow up in classrooms full of drag queens. It is a Mm -hmm. privilege and a luxury. Every time I get to do a show with a group of queer people, you know, I mm. never will take that for granted. It, it is such a gift. Um, 
and you know, I also realize that I live in a place where I'm I'm afforded that gift. A lot of people around the world are not, and yeah, yeah. I just I don't like that portrayal, and I don't find it to be true of our experience at all. Now, do drag queens fight with each other? Of course they do, you know. But um, <laughs> so I'm not saying it's all you know. It's it's not all a bed of roses, but my experience overwhelmingly has not been that catty snippy, you know, the, the thing, the thing that we see in TV and movies. Yeah. It's so interesting to see the arc of entertainment and where we're at as a culture and things like, uh, Bravo. And listen, do I indulge in some of those Bravo shows? Absolutely. Do I, <laughs> do I get sucked up into, do I get wow. sucked up into some of that stuff? Of course. <laughs> but like, it's when you really think about why these things are popular, it's because of like tragedy. And you're like, whoa, yeah. what are we, what are we thinking about here as like a culture? It's just yeah. so interesting to think about. Um, and the drag world is, is, is part of that too, in, in a lot of ways. But, um, yeah, I just thought that that was something to kind of think about as far as like, hey, when we're thinking about audiences, it isn't always what's, um, it's not always what's pressing us down. It's sometimes what we need to look at as what's lifting us up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Peaches, you know, obviously you are synonymous in the horror world. You, you know, you made all about evil. You've had so, uh, parody after parody. I can't even name all of them at this point that all are kind of rooted in the, in the horror genre. Is that something you grew up with? Is something, is horror like inherent in your life or is that something that came later? No, I apparently it's something that's always been there because that's another question I've been asked a lot. And I'm like, I don't even really know the answer to it. So I, I've asked my parents, I've gone to the source <laughs> and they say, you know, according to them that I was always attracted to the macabre and Halloween mm. and spooky stuff and horror. And, you know, if, you know, like any normal kid, I, I was given a bunch of things. I don't know, action figures or, you know, I was more into Darth Vader than anything else, you know? Yeah. So I guess it's just the way I was or the way I am. Now I have a nephew who's turning five in December. If, if ever um, I, I could be accused of being a groomer, it's with him because he <laughs> is so into horror, but I can tell you for a fact I've had no ability to groom him. Like there's no, there's no, um, you can't teach a kid what to like. They like what they yeah. like. And I've barely even shared anything with him. He just loves spooky stuff. He loves horror. Yes. He loves Halloween. And so my sister keeps saying like, God, maybe it's, maybe it's genetic. He is totally like you. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I guess some kids, you just born liking what you like, you know? I mean, you're you're surrounded by your fellow constituents here. So. Right, there we go. <laughs> here right, we are, baby. And didn't you, I don't know if, if you're like me, but I grew up thinking I was the only queer horror fan because in the 80s, I think you guys are younger than me, but in the 80s, you know, going to Fangoria conventions or subscribing to Fangoria, it was very much a white straight man's world. Sure. And, and I was okay mm-hmm. with that because that was the world, right? But I mean, as a queer person, it really felt like, oh, I'm really weird. You know, I didn't know <laughs> at the time, I didn't know that Don Mancini or Clive Barker, you know, now, of course, I'm like, oh, hello. Um, Makes but sense. Yeah, it, 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 it's nice to grow up and realize there's so many of us. 
Yeah, no, totally. I remember growing up and basically feeling like I had to sneak horror movies because I was the only weirdo doing this. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. It was it was just and I I grew up in a very small town. My my graduating class was 50 people, so it's like Ooh, <laughs> a yeah. very small little thing. Um but yeah, I can remember thinking like you know, not only with the queer part, but also with like the horror part of just being like, I don't belong here. Like the people that were showing me these movies were like my straight older uncles. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> so, it well, was, I was just, so, you didn't feel I mean, like you belonged. I Yeah, I was. So I kind of had a different reaction, which was to be very in your face about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so my locker, I remember my sophomore year of high school, my locker um, you know, all the boys had pictures of, I don't know, whoever, Cindy Crawford or whatever, but I had, you know, Pinhead and Freddy Krueger and the <laughs> principal called my parents and my parents were like, well, yeah, that's his bedroom also, you know, it's, it's, uh, covered in all those posters and, you know, all that stuff. And, and, you know, we, we, we feel like if we, tell him not to, you know, we're going to get pushback. My parents also stood by my side when I decided not to be confirmed at my Catholic school. And they stood mm. by my side when I got double ear piercings and the the school freaked out, you know. And when I look back on that, I'm like, wow, for a closeted kid, I was pretty in your face. But what I didn't <laughs> know is secretly behind my back, my parents had a priest come and bless my bedroom. <laughs> no way. No yeah. way. Yeah. Isn't oh, that amazing? my God. Shit. You, you, you did grow up Catholic. You're like me. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, so I, I guess when we look at of the film, all about evil, a lot of Steven is, is you. Yes. I, 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 you know, it was, it was actually Thomas Decker who at one point pointed out to me, I think it was probably while we were making the movie or maybe it was after, I think it was after the movie came out. Thomas Decker said, well, I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't realize it when I first read the script, but it's pretty obvious. Like Steven is Joshua and Deborah is peaches. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, I think you're right. <laughs> you know? So yes. Genius. Yeah. Very much. Steven is, I, I, Steven is obviously Joshua. Whether Deborah is peaches. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can we can all take a little bit of you know <laughs> a little bit of grace with that one. Yeah. Say peaches. Um, would you like to hear Andrew and my our our drag names? Would you like to yes? Andrew, do you want to go? So mine is Suffy Bummers, uh, based off of Buffy Summers, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, love it. Yes, and and mine, which was granted to me by Andrew, he did think this one up, but it is one that I truly truly love. Mine is. Tori Anus. Oh my God. Okay, so not not to steal your thunder, but I did Bring a it. show once where I cre I called one of the characters Torny Anus. <laughs> 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 and the, uh, the thing about Suffy Bummers that's so brilliant is, and obviously you guys know this because you're, um, well, one of you lives in Ireland, but you know, bumming or to bum is is a gay slur. Uh -huh. Exactly. Yeah. I just but, needed to um, educate right. your audience on that. I just, <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't already get it, yeah. but no, yeah, they was... didn't, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously peaches, you are still doing midnight mass, but in podcast form, um, yeah. with Michael Verratti. I know you guys just did Terra vision, which is a, crazy ass film when you really watch yeah. it with modern eyes but what's what's next for midnight mass what's next for peaches christ well we 
we just did actually after Terrorvision, we had an episode come out, and and it might seem like I always say this, but I don't, I don't. Um, but we interviewed William Lustig, the the creator of Maniac, Maniac Cop, you know, all those movies, and yeah. he's a grindhouse legend. And it was one of those interviews that I went in pretty intimidated, thinking like, you know, this is going to be um, a seasoned vet, a straight guy in this brutal genre world. And um, he was so lovely and told the best stories. And I felt so connected to him by the end of that interview. I just loved him so much. Like the way he grew up in New York and went to Grindhouse Cinemas, it reminded me so much of me growing up in Maryland and experiencing John Waters. So I I, I actually would recommend if you haven't listened to our podcast and you're a cult movie fan, like, you know, you could start there with our most recent episode. Um, and let's see what you want me to tell you what's coming up for midnight mass. Is that if what you're able to, was? um, okay, let's see. <laughs> you would think I would know. Oh, we have a jo- <laughs> I'll say this. Our next episode, um, which might be out by the time this comes out, um, is we're doing a John Waters film, which we do every season, but this was one where we, we, basically had our Patreon subscribers vote. And the idea was what's the most underrated John Waters film that you would like to see us cover. So you couldn't choose, you know, pink flamingos. You couldn't choose hairspray because they're not underrated. Um, So I'll, I'll say that it's a movie about a a renegade group of filmmakers who kidnap a Hollywood movie star, you know, but I don't want to give it away, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a movie whose plot is very similar to the, the Patty Hearst story. And I really enjoy that episode as well. And that's coming soon. Nice. Love it. Yeah. That, that particular movie, and I won't say what it is, but uh, (laughs) was very, was very underseen at the time. And we talked, we talk about this in our later discussion around both movies we watched today, but there were these movies that just like, if you were in a small town, you had to go and order them. Like you had to like seek them out. And I think that you're right. That's kind of one of those ones that maybe people don't necessarily remember, but should go back and and take a peek. So, Oh God. Yeah. It's so good. And peaches, you have a show coming up in England. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I go from Halloween right into Christmas. Um, so, uh, I'm, currently getting ready to do three Christmas shows. And as surreal as it is, I do these shows now with symphonies. Uh, I've partnered with conductor Edwin Outwater a few years ago. We do three shows. One is a Christmas show we do with symphonies. One is, or a holiday show, but in England, they insist on calling it Christmas. Um, (laughs) Which I think is hilarious. They don't go for the holiday word at all. Um, but, you know, so it, 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 in the U.S., it's holiday gaiety, and in England, it's Christmas gaiety. Um, and, and we do a, a horror one. It's called Symphony of Terror. And in 2024, we're introducing a new one called Symphonic Pride, which is like a pride show. Um, oh, but our fun. Christmas shows this year are in San Francisco on the 15th um, at the Royal Albert Hall in London on the 12th and at uh, Gateshead. Um glass house which is near newcastle england on the 13th yeah glass house is fucking cool um that's that's amazing folks in london you just may see me there for that show on the 12th so hopefully you can come and say hi ho ho, hi hello there too um peaches this is incredible thank you so much for being with us today we really really appreciate it absolutely thank you 
All right, we will take our first break and we'll be right back with What You Been Watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, What You Been Watching, bitch. What You Been Watching, you drag good person. You lovely, <laughs> you lovely good person in drag. What's going on? If you've never been to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, this is the segment of the show where we talk about everything we've been watching, we've been reading, we've been listening to. Uh, Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're in between, but we're going to talk about what we've been watching. So Maddie, tell me what you've been watching, bitch. You know what, Andrew? I'm glad that you said the reading part, because I I am honestly trying to be better about reading these days. And I, I, I promise you this, Andrew, and maybe, you know what, maybe this would be a good thing for us to think about. I will have a book for the next one of these. Cool. I will. I will, fin- I will finish a, fi- I, it's so hard to finish a book when you're old. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> reading, reading becomes very difficult as you, as you clock up the years. Anyways, my first one for what you've been watching, bitch. Um, I'll start with the old ones first. Uh, I watched a film that is certainly not new. Um, and it's a film uh, from Steven Spielberg. Came out in 2005. I'm sure a lot of you saw this. I'm not, Andrew. I'm not sure if you've seen this before or not. But it's called Munich. Um, Munich is the story of the, um, uh, pardon me, of the uh, the special team from the Mossad in Israel um, that went around the world uh, finding the people who put together the terrorist attack on the 1972 Olympics. So if you don't remember the 1972 Olympics, I don't because I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> I was negative 10 years old. But at the 1972 Olympics, Palestinian terrorists um, took over um, a, a floor of a hotel where, where the teams were staying in the Olympic Village. They, um, they kidnapped all of the Israeli team and held them hostage. It was an absolutely terrible, rotten story. Um, and this is the story of, of the team that went out and found all the people responsible for it. Um, this is Eric Bana, Daniel Craig, Kieran Hines. Um, I mean, just a, an incredible cast. Once again, you know, directed by Steven Spielberg. So it's, it's incredible movie making. Um, you know, I liked this film a lot when it first came out. And with everything going on, um, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about it. But Netflix just happened to have it featured. And I thought, you know what? Why not watch it again? You know, this is a great fucking movie. Um, and it deals with things in a real way. It's it's not as black and white as you might think. And the acting is incredible. Eric, Eric Bana in particular is so fucking good in this movie, as as he should have been. Um, I was just all, thinking, like, where has he gone? I feel like I haven't seen him in forever. In you know what? Good point. I, I honestly don't remember the last thing that Eric Bana was in. Um, but not only that, da- Daniel Craig was fantastic in it. Kieran Hines was so good in this movie. So, you know, look... Um, you know, if you're the kind of person that likes to lean in to, you know, the issues that are happening around you today, this is one that you might want to pick back up. I hadn't watched it in years. I really, you know, quote unquote, enjoyed watching it um, because it's a really great piece of filmmaking. So I commend that to you, Munich. It's on Netflix and it probably should be for you, too. Yeah, I, I think I miss. I think given the time frame, what did you yeah. say? 2005? 2005. Yeah, I was in college, so I definitely missed this. Yeah. I, I had a solid four years where all I did was college and working, so I missed a Makes lot sense. of movies in that time. Yeah. But yeah, uh, g- yeah. G- give it a watch. See if you like it. Sounds interesting. Um, my first one is uh, echoing back to a one that Maddie brought up, I think, two episodes ago. I think it was two uh, ago, yeah. 
uh, is I finally finished uh, Fall of the House of Usher, the Mike All Flanagan right. miniseries. Uh, once again, you know, I know we said this when you brought it up, but like, mm-hmm. can this guy do any wrong? Andrew, the, the answer is no, he can't. Um, the, the, I, the, only thing, the only thing that he can do wrong is not come on our show soon. That's seriously. the only thing that he can do wrong. Um, I really loved this. I was not sold on it right away. Just the way that um, the way that it's set up, and I don't, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Um, but you're you're kind of led, you're led to like what the story is like very early on, and then sure. it kind of just you watch it play out like through the the rest of the episodes. And like at first, I was like, well, I'm kind of mad that they did that. But then, kind of once you understand what the story is, and the story is not about yeah what what happens at the beginning it's more about what happens at the end and i just like i said i'm I'm dancing around but i don't want to spoil but um i really liked it um i would put this i said on on x on twitter or whatever you want to call it um i put this right behind midnight club i liked midnight club just a little bit more um just midnight club just because like i don't know the the midnight club there was like a certain emotion that just got me really in that show um this one definitely had a ton of emotion but like I think that because of the capitalist nihilist uh, society that they set up, I was sure. like, oh, I want it. I don't want to like this, but I do. Um, uh, I will say there was one death sequence very early on in the show that had me almost throwing up. And it yeah. was so disgusting. And not even like the visual of it all, but the sound design. Um, ooh. I don't eat during that first, I think it's the first episode, if not the first two episodes. Um, but yeah, really liked it. Uh, Mike Flanagan, keep doing your thing. And I hope you do great things over at Amazon now that you have closed out your uh, negotiations with Netflix. So yeah. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Good. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, my next one is one that I had not even heard of. Um, it's called Sandcastle. This is another one that I watched on Netflix. Um, Sandcastle, the reason why I watched it is because Nicholas Holt is in it, and I'm obsessed with Nicholas Holt um, because he's so cute. He has never not been cute. That's just, <laughs> that is the truth. Um, and, uh, there's enough in here with, uh, with him sort of, you know, half naked, which, which really helps. Um, Sandcastle is about the, uh, the U S war in Iraq. Um, so bring your mind way back when to that awful war that we fought for absolutely no reason. And this is a movie that explores that it came out in 2017. And it deals specifically with um, a, a a troop or a group or a battalion, I don't know, whatever you call those those teams of soldiers, um, near Bakuba in Iraq, and they are uh, they are ordered to go and help this village figure out their water system because, like, I guess, like the the army had had um, they were they were bombing some like quote unquote enemies. And they accidentally hit this water tank, and the water tank was ruined for the community. So, as like um, as a as sort of like a PR thing, these soldiers were going there to go figure it out. And this movie, um, I'll you know, I'll leave it at that. But the the movie's actually pretty good. I, I was I was I was surprised, and it deals with the um, it deals with the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it deals with the uselessness of war. About how war war has no winners, war is pretty much always a losing game. And you know, while there are you know certainly sometimes that force has to be used to protect people or to um, to to rid the world of of very particular evils like Nazism, for example. Um, 
it, it, in the end, it usually ends up just being a, a, a really terrible gamble for humanity. And so this is a film that really explores that. And I think it does it in a very different way than other movies about the Iraq war have done. So I thought it was really well done. Um, it's not just Nicholas Holt. Henry Cavill is in this too. So that's nice to see. Um, and some other good people, Glenn Powell, Tommy Flanagan. Um, it, it was worth the watch. It wasn't that long. If you've got nothing else to watch and you just happen to see it on your Netflix, I would recommend it. Give it a watch. Sandcastle. Henry, Henry Cavill is always a good to see, if you Listen, know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and wait till you see the sex scene of him and Nicholas Holt. Get ready. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've no, now no. sold me on the movie. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I'm joking, but it happened in my head. <laughs> All right. Well, my next one is on who, currently on Hulu. Uh, it is A Haunting in Venice. Uh, this is the continued efforts of our, our classic detective from... Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, and uh, was it Murder on the Nile? I think that was what it was. Murder, Death on the Nile. Death, Death on, the on the Nile. Thank yeah. you. Um, I Okay, so here's my history with those movies. I mm-hmm. thought Murder on the Orient Express was a huge letdown. I did okay. not really like that movie very much. And I'm talking about the new ones, not the, not yeah, the, yeah, sure, the sure. old movies. Um, I really liked Death on the Nile. I thought that that was a huge improvement. And so going into Haunting in Venice, I'm, you know, I'm kind of split both ways. Like, what, you know, am I going to like this? Uh, you know, we get a, a huge cast once again. You know, we have Tina Fey, uh, Michelle Yeoh. Like, there's just like a ton of people in this movie. Um, and it's all about um, our detective. And he has. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he has retired in Venice and doesn't want to do any more of these investigations. He's just kind of over it at this point. And Tina Fey is an author who kind of um, tells him, you know, I encountered this uh, medium the other night and I would really like to like for you to come and like help me. Like, is she faking it? Is this real? Like, what is what is going on with this with this uh, this clairvoyant? Um, and he finally agrees and they go to an all child's like it's basically like a like it's, it's kind of like a school like an old school um where they're having a halloween party and then the clairvoyant stays after and they do a, a seance and things happen and then the rest of the movie is just kind of like playing out as why are all these people here together what do they have in common and is all of this real like a ghost or is it all being staged in some way shape or form so it it, it plays out the rest of the movie but um Gotta say, really liked this. I didn't hear really anybody talk about it when it came out. Um, and now that it's on Hulu, I hope more people get their eyes on it because really fun in the same way that the other two movies are. But horror lovers are going to love this because there's like the ghostly angle. Yeah. And so I really liked it. I would encourage people to check it out. It, it's under two hours. So <laughs> you know, I think some of the other movies in this, in this category would go over two hours. But this one manages to stay under two hours, which is great. Um, and I had a good time with it. It has a really nice little payoff. There's a couple of twists at the end that you don't see coming. Uh, and I would encourage people to go out and seek this one out. Nice. I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I will though. Also, perfect Sunday evening movie. Yeah. You know, I also, I really love Venice. Venice is one of my favorite places I've ever been. It's just, it's an incredible, incredible place. If you ever get a chance to go there, folks, go to Venice. It's wonderful. Um, my final one is a movie that's getting an awful lot of buzz right now. And for very good reason, um, this is the film called anatomy of a fall. Um, I saw this at the lighthouse cinema, uh, on Friday, which was the opening night here in, in Ireland. Um, I'm, I, it's, it's open in America too. So go see, go see it in a cinema, in, in a cinema. I think, I think you should. 
Um, this is a film from Justine Triette. Um, it is in English and in French. And it is a really incredible film. I'm not going to give you a whole lot of it. Um, but, but, you know, what I'll tell you is something that that is I'm not going to give anything away here because the poster literally shows you what's occurred. Right. Basically, there is a very small family living in the French Alps. Um, and it's a it's a husband, it's a wife and it's a it's their son. Right. So it's a mother, a father and their child. Um, the son is uh, is blind. Yeah. And the uh, the mother and the father are both writers. And they live sort of in the middle of nowhere in the Alps. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's no, nothing really close to them, all of that. One day, um, the, uh, one day, the dad, he, he is found dead in front of their house. And no one knows why. <laughs> no one knows how it happened. And the movie is spent trying to figure it out. So it is, it's a mix of things, right? It is a thriller. It is a family. It's it's a dissection of a family. It's a courtroom uh, procedural movie kind of thing. Um, it's it's a, it's a crime movie. It's it's a, there's there's so much to it, um, and I think that the film in it is a little bit long. It's 152 minutes, so it's about you know two and a half hours long. Um, but in those two and a half hours, it keeps it tight. It keeps it clean. It gets you to where you need to go by the end of it, and the end of it is incredible. So I really, really highly recommend watching this. It's going to be the, the buzz about this will only go up um, because the main character, who's played by Sandra Huller, um, she, she's just incredible. She's really, really incredible. And and the boy is pretty fucking awesome, too. So I do recommend going to see this in a cinema. Make it a little cinema day for yourself so you can really focus on it. Your phone will be away. You won't be looking around your house and shit. You'll just have the big screen in front of you and watch it. It's so well done. I love this movie. Anatomy of a Fall. Cool. I never even heard of this. Uh, I don't know how that got past me, but it sounds really so, interesting. So, so good. So good. All right. My last one is uh, currently on oh, Peacock, I believe, or Paramount Plus. Sorry, Paramount okay. Plus. It's on Paramount Plus. Uh, listen, listen it is, in, in Europe, there's none of that anyway. So good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only reason I say that is because it's it's labeled as a Paramount Plus exclusive. Huh, so interesting. Okay. whatever that means these days, I'm not really sure. Uh, but this is Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a prequel to... Pet Cemetery. I from what from what so wait, looks, wait 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 Andrew really quick. This is yeah. not a it's not a series. It's a movie. It's a movie. Okay. I was right there with you when this first was being advertised to me. I thought it was a show. I so, thought I thought so too. But so th- th- this is actually good to hear because I honestly I didn't want to watch a show. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a clean little ninety minute movie. It's got okay. um it's got David Duchovny in it. It's got oh. um Henry Thomas is in it. Uh, a lot of people familiar faces that are in this movie, and this is all about Judd. You know our our friendly yeah, neighbor sure. across the street. Uh, when he was a kid, Judd is better. Yeah, when he was a kid, and um, it's kind of about him trying to leave Ludlow as a kid to go join the Peace Corps with his girlfriend. What? And um, there's something about the town that doesn't want to let him leave. And it's all about like... So, you know, in the original movie, they don't highlight it as much in the in the um, the newer one. But if you remember correctly, in the uh, the the one from the, the 90s, 
uh, they kind of show you some flashbacks of like other people that e- have either like, yeah, buried sure. their dog or buried their brother or like, and people have come back. And this one is all about um, the Batermans, uh, who is played by David Duchovny. He, his uh, son was off at war and uh, he, and this is minor minor spoilers but it's uh it's okay. it's happens in the first like two minutes of the movie so sure um but he is killed in war but comes back and uh his his dad buries him in the pet cemetery and so things start to happen around ludlow and it's kind of just all about um the history of ludlow and a little bit about kind of like why the town is the way it is it's okay. more it concentrates a little bit more on the micmac indians and like what they did cool um i i saw a lot of people online saying that this movie was boring and that it wasn't good i liked it a lot so i don't know <laughs> if i'm missing something or something but i really enjoyed getting a little bit more history on kind of like the pet cemetery and what it means and the indians and what they were trying to do to like protect the town at the time yeah, I, when they, I would be very into hearing more about that. It was really cool. I really liked it quite a bit. Um, the cast was really good. It was really weird. To s- it's so weird to see Henry Thomas showing up in so much stuff now, because really for the longest time he was so absent and now he's literally everywhere. I mean, the horror con that we went to, he was there. <laughs> like, you know what I mean, it's just, yeah, like, sure. Uh, it's good to see him have like a, a later on career Renaissance, which is really cool. Um, the kid who plays Judd is really good and really sexy. Oh, so. really? Bring it on, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I don't know what people are complaining about. I think that there is a little bit of a stumble in the third act that I don't want to give away if people want to okay. watch it, but it kind I kind of just had like a moment where I was like, wait, what just happened? But um well, this, still- is, this is really good to hear. Yeah, hopefully you'll get it on some sort of you know, yeah, whatever it, streaming. It, it is it's on something over here because I, I saw it on I, I don't remember what it was, but I, I know that I can definitely get it for sure. And listen, anytime you're gonna put David Duchovny on my screen. I'm going to be happy about it. So. David Duchovny, why won't you love me? Um, Andrew, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that you liked it. And also, yeah. Andrew, what a great little addition of what you've been watching, bitch. Now, folks, you might see that we only have three this time. You want to know why? Because we literally just recorded another episode before. So we, yeah. usually, we usually have four. But honestly, we didn't have time to watch anything else. So listen, you guys, this is our third week in a row of recording. We just, yeah. we got to get by, okay? <laughs> that and that is how much we love you. Got it? Um, so look, uh, wonderful what you've been watching, bitch. Andrew brought us Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix, A Haunting in Venice on Hulu, and Pet Cemetery Bloodlines on Paramount+. Plus. And Maddie brought us Munich on Netflix, Sandcastle on Netflix, and Anatomy of a Fall, currently in cinemas. Woo-hoo. So, folks, stay tuned, and we will be right back with our first film of the episode, Psycho Beach Party. I guess we are the only ones watching the movie. These guys have only one thing on their minds. Want a wiener? some fried tomatoes in that tin can. I could feel it in my nuts. You and your nuts. You kids think you own this beach. Think it's a teenage world. Well, you're dead wrong. I can help you with that. Have I been acting strange lately? Who do you have to f- to get a hot dog in this dump? What? for la mañana, medio dia. Surfer check with a split personality. 
Uh, should I unpack my bongos? I intend to unpack mine. <laughs> All right, guys, come on. That's, that's enough. I hate to say this, but I think our little chipper may be the butcher at Malibu Beach. Strange that the victim had only one testicle stuffed in his mouth. Well, that's because he only had one. Plenty of meat. Only one potato. A little sex. I believe this is what you young people call a gangbang. A little sin. I've got a bad boy. Bad boys get spanked. A little psycho. Party till you drop. Dead. I hope you put some Bactine on that scratch. Psycho Beach Party. That's the most exciting story idea I've heard in years. Are you ready to dance? Because it's time for a Psycho Beach Party. Maddie, tell us all about Psycho Beach Party. Party till you drop. Dead. Chicklet is a 16-year-old tomboy who's desperate to be part of the in-crowd of Malibu beach surfers. She's the typical American girl, except for one little problem. Her personality is split into more slices than a pepperoni pizza. Oh my God, I hate that. <laughs> Psycho Beach Party was directed by Robert Lee King, written by the one, the only, the inimitable Charles Bush, uh, produced and distributed by Strand. Florence is played by Lauren Ambrose. Kanaka, played by Thomas Gibson. Starcat, played by Nicholas Brendan, who was looking very fine in this movie, might I add. Bettina, played by Kimberly Davies. Uh, Lars, by Matt Kessler. Captain Stark, played by Charles Bush, once again. Ruth, played by Beth Broderick. Marvel, played by Amy Adams. And Rhonda, played by Kathleen Robertson. The only person I realize I left out now is Yo-Yo, who was the hottest person. I should have put him oh, in. Oh, God. Anyways. You know, you know, and provolone. Oh, yeah. God, but Yo-Yo. Oof. Jesus, my God. Anyways, uh, the film is not rated. It's 95 minutes. Uh, it's out of USA and Australia. Released j- uh, January 23rd of 2000. Take your mind back there, right? Uh, filmed in Malibu, California. And the budget was $1.5 million, but it only made... unfortunately. So, um, look, Andrew, uh, tell me what you thought about Psycho Beach Party. Yeah, so uh, this is not a first watch for me, but it's a a watch in a while for me you know okay sure yeah (laughs) um i i this this is one of those movies that i randomly caught because at the time if you take yourself back to 2000 strand releasing was the gay releaser oh totally like that was what uh i'm trying to think like kiss me guido a trick like all those movies like came out on strand releasing and so as a budding gay myself you always looked out for strand releasing releases and they were sexy too. They were fucking sexy. Yeah. And so psycho beach party came out um, at the time. I think this would have been the time of, um, Oh God, what's, what's the show that Lauren Ambrose is on that I'm totally blanking on right Um, now. Six feet under six. It it, this would have been six feet under time, right? I think so, but I'm going to look that up. Keep going. 
Um, so I saw Lauren Ambrose and loved her from Six Feet Under. So wanted to seek this out. And then you get this cast of just like insane people. Thomas Gibson from Dharma, or, uh, uh, what, Dharma and Greg. Nicholas Brendan from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You get Beth Broderick, who at yeah. the time was in um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Amy oh, God, Adams. right, yeah. Which was just in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Like, it's just the the casting of this is just insane. And then Matt Kessler, who just showed up in everything in 2000. And also, Andrew, by the way, uh, Six Feet Under actually didn't come out until June of 2001. Oh, okay. So this was kind of a breakout role for her. Exactly, right. Um, But yeah, I think that this movie perfectly kind of just like gives you those vibes that it's supposed to in like the most nutty way possible. And I just really love what uh, Charles Bush brought to this in kind of showing us how drag could be incorporated in a really funny, but really earnest way. Um, I think it's all, I think the stunting in this is hilarious. Like where we get, um, we get basically like body doubles for people that don't even look anything like their body double, which is really funny to me. Um, I think that there are some problematic stuff in it. We can talk about it in a little bit. There's one, there's one um, personality that Lauren Ambrose puts on that I think is a little bit uh, not so great, but yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but I really like Ann Bowman and that whole character. I think she's hilarious. Um, we can talk about the uh, <laughs> the um, the implicit child rape of it all if you want to. But <laughs> there's something about that that's. I wish they would have just made. Um, just wish they would have made her 18 because the the stuff with Thomas Gibson comes off a little bit gross if you know what i mean given she's only 16 in the movie um but overall really love this movie i really have a good time with it is it like straight up horror no but it is horror adjacent and i really appreciate it and i think that it's something that we weren't really getting in 2000 yeah and i think that it was it was really fun to go back to that time and really just explore this movie again and just see all these people that you're like oh 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 and also my childhood crush david chokachi shows up in the first five minutes when they're showing the uh the black and white movie and i was like oh my god i forgot he was in this but um yeah overall just have a ton of fun with this movie uh, what about you? Is this your first time watch, or do you have a do you have a history with this movie? Uh, it is a first time watch. It is not, however, my first time with Charles Bush. So I want to take you back, actually, all the way to two thousand three, um, when Maddie was in college at Indiana University. Um, I was a senior in college, and I was the artistic director for this group um, called the University Players. And the University Players was basically like like the undergraduate theater club, basically. Um, and it was it was really cool. We 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 got money from um, from the theater department to basically run our own theater company, and so we had this money. We had incredibly talented people, and we just fucking went for it. The year that I was artistic director, um, one thing that I didn't mention in our last episode is that part of that season that I produced as the artistic director also included the Rocky Horror Show. Um, and uh, one of our friends, Taylor Andrew, you know Taylor. Taylor mm-hmm. played Frankenfurter, blah, 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 blah. But that season of 2003, 2004 started with a Halloween show. And the Halloween show was like a Halloween variety show kind of thing. But it cool. ended with a production of Charles Bush's Vampire Lesbians of Sodom, which is a <laughs> absolute, it's a ridiculous play. And actually, John, John DeBoer, who, who will listen to this, he listens to every episode. And of course, you know, An- Andrew, you know, John, um, mm-hmm. John directed it. 
And we had a blast with the show. Um, p- part part of the fun was we d- we did have some some male butts in the show. People definitely enjoyed you know that part of it, and it, it wasn't <laughs> bad. Don't get me wrong, um, but it was a blast. Charles Charles Bush is is a genius, and Char- Charles Bush has been part of the. Um, it would be called um, the the style of theater that he does is literally called ridiculous, and the ridiculous style of theater is something that that's actually been an incredibly important part of the development of the American theatrical scene since the sixties, really, maybe even the fifties. Um, and just incredible stuff happens. So, you know, in, in vampire lesbians of Sodom, you find much the same things that, that you find here. It's campiness, it's corniness, it's wild. It's this, it's incredibly stylized, just like, just like psycho beach party is, um, and really incredible stuff. Um, so blah, 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 all that to say, I really love Charles Bush. And so I was looking forward to seeing this. Um, and watching it, the execution, fantastic. I absolutely love this movie. I think this movie is a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of sexy. It's a lot of ridiculousness. It's a lot of everything, you know, man. And it's fucking fun. And Lauren Ambrose does a fantastic job in her role, I think. Charles Bush is also equally fantastic. Like, I mean, remember, too, this is 2000. Like, I was watching this thinking, was this made like three years ago? You know what I mean? It feels it feels closer to today than it does to 2000 in a totally weird way. Totally agree. Totally, totally agree. It feels like it was just made, and and also like I mean, look at these stars that we're seeing. I mean, you've already mentioned it, of course, but like Amy Adams and Lauren Ambrose, like really seeing them before they were big stars. That's incredible shit. Um, and how Charles Bush managed to get this all together, I think in itself is a bit of a miracle. So I mean, really, really great stuff. I mean, I I can't really say enough good about it i definitely was really in love with yo-yo because he's just i dude is just sexy man listen that that body is working girl as gay people we are attracted to bleach blonde people i don't know what it is i i I don't know what it is it's just a thing that happens you you say you're Uh gay and all of a sudden beach blonde look looks amazing to you it's, i don't know how to it's, explain it's it. fucking i mean and look there are plenty of guys i know that loved you know dark-haired dudes here i am a dark-haired dude thank god for it but i'll tell you what there's something about a blonde baby there is something about a blonde andrew do you know well, what i mean and then on top of that you get him oil wrestling with provolone oh, so my god come on um and then the other the other cutie oh my god <laughs> totally totally random was the counter boy and his name is nicholas diagosto and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, he's from I, um, Final Destination Five. I'll tell you what, he can Final Destination with me all he wants. Because I'll tell you what, he, boy is cute. I could not get over how cute he was, and I was like, my God, if we if we play hot of the episode, I've already got mine. It's done. It's <laughs> Ghosto. So yeah, look, if you've not seen Psycho Beach Party, and honestly, I'm going to guess that a lot of people listening right now haven't, because the other thing about Strand releasing is that they were hard to get. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. like this one, I I rented this. So, you know, I mean, now it's it's available for rental, obviously. Um, but like, I, you know, because of that, that difficulty in getting things, I mean, like this was the kind of stuff that you had to go to Suncoast for. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the library didn't have this. And like, remember, 2000, we barely had working internet then. You know what I mean? Like my porn was popping up dot matrix. You know, it was like printing off. So, I mean, like we we didn't have access in the same ways. I'm going to guess a lot of people have not seen this. Yeah, I agree with you. And this is like, so growing up in like small town America, like you, you did, it was really hard to access these type of things. Like oh, I remember, 
I remember we had a Suncoast that I would go to and special order some of these movies that like, I'm talking about like Wet Hot American Summer. Like that movie was impossible to find in a small town. Such you a had good to, movie. God, I love that had, movie. And it just like Psycho Beach Party, you had to seek these things yeah, out. Right, like it was right. it was tough back in those days. Um, I'm gl- I'm really glad that we're seeing a lot of renaissance with a lot of these shows and these movies that kind of, you know, didn't have the release that that some others did. But like you you're never going to see Psycho Beach Party on a Michigan uh movie screen. No, no you're not. <laughs> You know that that is that is one thing to bring up. I think you know we we we've just had a, a chat about drag and small town America and you know how things work and how how you get access to things and people banning books and people do you know all the shit right. And look, there there is a lot to be said about the screen culture that we live in, right? There's screens everywhere. I've got a screen on my wrist, a screen in my hand. I've got two screens in front of me and an iPad next to me and a TV, you know, over to my right. You, you don't, you, you know, there, there's screens fucking everywhere and electronics that buzz and things that can get you all the time and blah, 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 blah. Right. But in the, in the midst of all of that, it is incredible the amount of, uh, of access that we have now. And like I, mm-hmm. I know that I'm speaking the obvious. I I get that. But like that's that's fucking important. Access to information, even something like Psycho Beach Party, it matters. It matters in a big way. Because just like the story that I told, you know, in our last episode of, you know, going to see Rocky Horror as much as I did and how that really helped me, there's gonna be some kid out there that watches Psycho Beach Party and feels the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. going to feel just as weird, just as silly and just as ridiculous. And they're going to watch this and feel a little bit more at home. And so, you know, once again, in the midst of things not being available at a fucking library, thank I mean, honestly, thank God, as annoying as it can be sometimes to pay for so many fucking streaming things. Thank God we can actually get it. And it's honestly not that hard. Truly. Yeah, totally. Um, I did, <laughs> I did think of, so a couple of things that I saw in kind of my research for Psycho Beach Party, um, Charles Bush is actually a, uh, graduate of Northwestern University yeah. here in, yeah. in Illinois. Um, and it's, I think it was funny that he put that on Starcat as well. They keep, they talk yeah. about Northwestern yeah, right, right, right. a lot in the movie and how he was a psychology student up at Northwestern, but never well, finished. And, and remember too, I mean, folks might not know that Northwestern's theater program is is one of the best in the country. Like if, if yeah. you if you study at Northwestern <laughs> with theater, that is some incredible shit that you got with you right there. Um, I think that they um there are a couple of really funny quotes that I wrote down in my notes. Um there's the one where Amy Adams is uh trying to seduce the the boys and um Bettina uh goes um uh, you know he's they're talking about like how they're like surfer cool guys and she's like should i unpack my bongos and <laughs> amy adams character goes she goes well i intend to unpack mine <laughs> when she goes to talk to um cannot or uh to star cat to try to seduce him she, she's like she's basically justifying why she's there with um with uh florence and uh, bettina because they're like not the cool girls but she uh, is like well i needed a car and my she she says um my parents took away my wheels because i would hit an old lady at a crosswalk parents are such squares huh <laughs> <laughs> i love it um another one i thought was really funny was when they're talking to um the uh the the movie star who's uh, who's there on the beach staying at the haunted house um uh, they go up to her and they're like oh 
are you incognito? And she goes, no, I'm German Irish. <laughs> I, that, that, that by far was my, my favorite line. So fucking good. Um, a couple of other ones. Um, <laughs> the, what, there's, I forget who says, I think it's Bettina. She goes, you sounded like an old lady, like, like 30. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> um, there's also a point in the movie where the detective understands that the killer is going after imperfect people. So people that either have like, uh, like there's a girl, there's the mean girl in the wheelchair, which is also a hilarious part that he would make the girl in the wheelchair the worst person in the movie. <laughs> of course, go figure. Um, but there's a part, you know, where they they go to the 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 party at the end, and um, there's basically the 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 movie star. She says like, "Oh, have you you met my new fella? He's he's deaf and has eleven fingers." And Nicholas Brendan just looks at him and he goes, "Sucker doesn't stand a chance." <laughs> <laughs> Now, one, um, one one thing about the film too that 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 that's that's um, important to note is that this didn't start as a film, right? This was originally yeah, a play, yeah, yeah. and so the play was originally called Gidget Goes Psychotic. It opened uh, in 1987, so it had been in Charles Bush's wow. brain for a long time before the movie before the movie you know really took off. Um, it got changed. The the name changed to Psycho Beach Party. Um, there was a copyright issue, I guess, and probably about Gidget, of course. And and in the original production, Charles Bush, of course, was in it, um, but he played Chicklet. So oh. the Lauren, Lauren Ambrose role, he was playing that one. By the time the movie came along, this is far, you know, later. What nineteen eighty seven? So that's thirteen years later. Um, he, 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 he was actually considering playing the role, but then decided there's no way that he could look that young. So, uh, they chose Lauren Ambrose instead. They chose, they chose a woman to play the role. Right. Um, and, and made that decision and, but kept Charles Bush in drag, which of course is incredibly important just for the, the entire style of everything. And the fact that Charles Bush, you know, made it of course. Um, and he said, well, what was this? He said, uh, decided that he might not be believable in the role of a 16 year old girl while I can still manage with the aid of a sympathetic cameraman to play a sophisticated 25, 16 would be a stretch. Um, and so he added in the character of Monica Stark so that he could be in the film. Oh, now, cool. Something else to mention there, too, is that right around that time of, of 2000, that was a really big time for Charles Bush. Because at the same time, his play called The Tale of the Allergist Wife was on Broadway. So this was his Broadway, his first play going on, well, his first Broadway play like on Broadway, actually. And it was also nominated for a Tony Award in 2001. Um, So it didn't win, but, you know, just being up for it is is incredible and for a Drama Desk Award. So that was a really, really big time for Charles Bush uh, and just for that, that whole group of people in general. That's really cool. I didn't know all that history about his like stage stuff and everything. Yeah. Um, the only other movie that I've seen of his, I I, I think Die, I, Mommy, I probably have seen more is Die Mommy Die. Yeah. Um, but yeah, which just, which, which was also a play. Oh, cool. Well, good to see that some of his stuff got a little bit of a bigger release. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really funny that he cast an actual woman as his body double in the car <laughs> and the sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was really a, 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 so a little good. bit of a treat. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, God, God, God bless him. Like these are these are the people in America that just that just astound me. You know, people yeah. like him, people like John Waters, people people like Peaches, people. I mean, all these people that are just a, incredible people. Like not afraid to be themselves at all. Yeah, for sure. It's and it's really 
it's really funny to think that this is 2000. Like I, I like you said earlier, like I thought that this was when we were looking at um, like our worksheet and everything, we always tend to go in chronological order for like how we review the movies. Yeah. When I was thinking about Psycho Beach Party, I was like, actually, I don't know which one's older. If Psycho Beach Party's older, or if All About Evil's older. Right. Like I wasn't sure. Yeah. And there's a 10 year difference. So. It's so it, it's so crazy to think about. But I mean, it's just I, I, I think that's probably the most astounding takeaway from the film for me is how current it feels. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it makes me think about, like, you know, when will the next one of these really be made? Um, because it should be done more and more. Yeah. There's a couple movies out there that I haven't caught yet that are supposed to be really good, like Bottoms and, like... Oh, um, Bottoms, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dicks the Musical. Like, there's a couple out there that I haven't seen yet that I think will, like, help with this kind of, like, comedy. But, um, let, okay, we, one thing we have to talk about before, yeah. we, we, before we score these movies is the gay of it all. Because, yes, yes there is a gay storyline in this, which I was so happy to see. <laughs> so good. Um, so we have Provolone and Yo-Yo, who are kind of these two side characters who, throughout the, throughout the movie, they wrestle a lot. And I thought... <laughs> It's so funny when they're wrestling that second time and that I forget who squirts the oil on them, but he just automatically just like squirts the oil on them and they it starts getting like sexy and, and they like everyone slow down. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then everyone starts to realize it's looking sexy and they're like, um, should we stop this? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Um, and then I thought it was funny that there's a running storyline where they are in the movie star's bedroom and they're like trying on her her like stuff. And she comes in and because she's from like Hollywood where there's where pretty much everyone's a little bit queer, um, she's like she picks up on it right away and she's like, mm, actually, I don't think this magenta is your color. I think you'd be looking better in the black. And she's yes. like, any anytime you want to come over, I can show you my shoes next time. And like she's trying to encourage it while they're trying to still like push it down. Um, and then finally at the end, they kiss and it relieves Provolone's constipation <laughs> that he's had throughout the movie. <laughs> I know it's so good. <laughs> What, he, um, he'd, he'd been constipated for 68 days or something like that yeah <laughs> and he's like they kiss and he's like oh this has really got things moving for me and i was like well it's an interesting way to think about queerness but whatever um and i you know at the end we get the the, the revelation that lars is actually the killer and that he is actually the the son of you know the, the person it's a whole it's complicated as hell lars <laughs> lars was sexy too when he's up on that stool i was like oh god yeah, Jesus. Matt Matt Kessler had a ton of roles like Oof. this in like the 2000, 2005, 2006-ish. Um, but yeah, he's just one of those guys that you like, when I think of the 2000s, I think of Matt Kessler. <laughs> like, you know he's what I mean? Just, he, he's, so, he's so good looking. Like ridiculous. Um, and, and also he's in Waiting for Guffman, one of the best films ever made, baby. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but overall... I mean, what else do we have to say about Psycho Beach Party? I mean, I love that they do kind of an homage to the old surfer movies when they do kind of the uh, when they're up on the, the little waves. dances and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that that's really fun. Um, the girl that does that dance in the in the movie when it, during the credits. Holy shit. That girl does her job. <laughs> like, that is I some know. intense dancing that she does. I also, um, love that, I lo- also love that they name a white guy Kanaka. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Kanaka is... Um, <laughs> Yeah, maybe you shouldn't t- call white people Kanaka. That's that's not yeah, good. Yeah. All right, Maddie. Overall, 
Cycle Beach Party. We grade on a seven-stripe scale here at Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. What do you give Psycho Beach Party? I gave it a solid five, and I said it's corny, campy, ridiculous, and honestly pretty stupid, and that's why it works. Yeah, I also gave it a five. I said, perfectly encapsulates a time period while also showing us what casting looks like. Love this stupid little movie. Love it. Well, folks, that does it for Psycho Beach Party. Get out there and watch it, rent it, or buy it, however you can see it. Uh, Give us a moment. We'll be right back with another fine film called All About Evil. Daddy loved this movie theater. He believed in this place and in me. Your father wanted you to be an actress. This theater can work. I'll see to it personally. It's like Daddy always said. The show must go on. Fuck you, I'm an actress. I am a filmmaker. In all of history, in all the annals of horror, there's never been a great female horror filmmaker. Don't you see how important that is? I am the Scarlet Leopard, and you called me a whore. No, no, I never said you were a whore. I said you were She's murdering her actors. By grinding out weekly gore films that she writes, directs, and stars in. Satisfying a rather large number of fans' unquenchable thirst for violence. The Gloria Tunis' films are shocking. You're getting this in close-up, right? And fans say they're as real as it gets. Is that somebody screaming? Uh, we're making a new film. The cameras are rolling! Welcome to another fantastically frightening Friday night at the Victoria Theatre. Without further ado... And do you know where the, uh, ladies' room is? Miss Deborah Denise! Get ready to hear all about good... Oh, wait, no, that's not the title. It's all about evil. Andrew, tell us all about all about evil. People are dying to get into this movie. A mousy librarian inherits her father's beloved but falling apart old movie house. In order to save the family business, she discovers her inner serial killer and a legion of rabid gore fans. When she starts turning out a series of grisly shorts, what her fans don't realize yet is that the murders in the movies are all too real. Directed directed by and written by Joshua Granell, also known as Peaches Christ. Production company was handed by Backlash Films and Fog City Pictures. Debbie is played by Natasha Leone. Steven is played by Thomas Decker. Linda is played by Cassandra Peterson. Evelyn is played by Mink Stoll. Adrian is played by Noah Segan. Mr. Twiggs, Jack Donner. Lolita played by Ashley Fink. Patrick played by Peter George. Tammy played by Julie Brown and Peaches Christ, played by Joshua Granell. This movie is not rated. It comes in at 98 minutes. It was released on July 30th of 2010, set and um, uh, filmed 
in the Victoria Theater in San Francisco, California. It was it did, budget information not known, and it didn't really make a lot of money. But if I remember right from talking with Peaches, it was a very uh, very low cost release. It was so. a it was a gala release. You know what I mean? It was a gala release. Yeah. So. Uh, Maddie, I had seen this once, or no, twice before. Once when it oh, came wow. out in 2010, okay. and then for the for when we had Peaches on, you know, uh, when we did um, Midnight Mass, and yeah, we yeah. talked with her. Uh, I watched it for that, um, but this was a, a since then a watch. But what about you? Is this a first time watch, or what do you have? This it one? was it was indeed a first time watch for me. Um, and thank you, Peaches, for the screener. Really appreciate it. I was unable to get this over here in the EU. Um, it, it's it's released from Severin Pictures. So you know, folks out there, if you're listening in the EU, you you might want to look them up and find it, see if you can get it that way. Um, but it's a, it's a little difficult to get over here. Anyways, I'm glad that I got it because it was a really great movie. Um, I really had a lot of fun watching this. Um, I think, too, you know, look, the movie has a lot going for it just straight from the get-go, right? It's got Natasha Lyonne, it's got Cassandra Peterson, and it's got Mink Stoll. Like, I mean, already it's winning. It's winning in mm-hmm. really big ways. Anything with Mink Stoll, I'm probably going to love it because I fucking love Mink Stoll. Um, and this is one that that I think really works. And I think it works, you know, not only because it's like ridiculous. Like you, you know, it's going to be ridiculous. Like look, look at the fucking thing. And 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 Peaches Christ has has you know has her hand on this. So of course you know it's going to be that. But if you if we dig deeper and look look at this, you know, from from a film perspective. It's so well done. You know, like the the photography in this movie is really well done, especially near the end. Um, I think that the direction of the movie is really tight. I think that the writing doesn't leave anything lacking. And I think that the cast really pulls out all the stops to really believe in the movie and make it and make it move forward. So, you know, I I think if you know take the take the ridiculousness of it aside. And look at this as a piece of filmmaking. I think that Peaches did a really great job. Um, and it's something that they should be, you know, really proud of. Because, I mean, my God, pulling something like this off is fucking tough. Um, and they did it. And I just think it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, this one, for me, I really loved it. Uh, I think that I picked up on a lot more stuff this... You know, I, mm-hmm. I feel like when we watch movies for the show... Like, when I watch movies in general... I just I'm just watching it, but when we sure. watch it for the show, I'm like looking for stuff. If that makes any sense. Well, I mean, it's 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 because you're thinking about what you're going to say. Yeah, and so this one, I I started to see all of the homages to to classic horror. So like, we get all the classic horror posters, and like that's how the the opening credits is kind of crafted after. And then you know we get all of the classic movies, but with a little bit of a twist on it. Like, yeah. uh, what was it? Um, I'm trying to think of my notes. Uh, a tale of two severed titties instead of <laughs> a tale of two cities. I which, know it's so good. Um, so there's like a lot of like love put into or this maiming, movie. Maiming of the shrew. <laughs> so yeah, stupid. Yeah. So stupid. Um, and also like what I noticed in this time around is like all of the gore effects are really good and yeah. really effective. Like when she goes to sew that um, librarian's lips shut, I was cringing. Like it was big time. 
yeah, tough to watch. Um, what I really loved was actually seeing Cassandra Peterson as an actress in this movie because she doesn't play uh, Elvira. She's doing like just being an actress, which God, you don't the, really the, see. The part where she looks up from her son's bed at the Elvira poster is hilarious. Yeah, God the fact good. that he has an Elvira poster on his wall and well, his mom is Cassandra Peterson. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, he's like, well, what if I'm in love with an older woman? And she's like, how old? And she looks up at the post. Oh my God, it's it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Great casting right there. And from what I understand, this was done as a favor for Peaches Christ from yeah. Cassandra Peterson and Tal- Natasha Leone, uh, which is really cool. Um, I know that I've seen Thomas Decker in other stuff, but I can't quite place him. I love to- him. He's so good. Yeah, he was good. Um, the one person in this, and she's actually... I don't think she's in our our cast list here, um, but uh, Judy, his friend. Judy. Oh, I forgot! I forgot to put Judy in there. I'm sorry. Um, she, I kind of was rooting for her to die because she's kind of a bitch. She's <laughs> she's she, she's pretty annoying. Yeah, she's like around every around every corner, she's trying to like. Um, <sighs> It's not feminist because it's what people thought feminists were is like yeah. this kind of like thing that like she's just angry at everything. Um, <laughs> and it just it really it really twisted my gears. And I was like, can you just relax for a second? Because it is like it, it is a little much. Yeah. But she but, doesn't, I mean, but but it works for that character, though. It, it totally does. And that's what I'm talking about. Like the character just annoyed me yeah. um, because like, can you not just let your friend Steven like horror movies? Like, do you do you need to like? psychoanalyze everything he's doing he just wants to watch the damn movie (laughs) i mean honestly yeah um i i love the setup for this i thought it was hilarious at the beginning when she as a little girl she pees herself then accidentally electrocutes so so ridiculous so ridiculous um and that's what causes her to have like a, a split in her personality if you will um and her mom who played i it's so funny seeing the Wicked Witch of the West uh, all dressed up and chain smoking and laughing at children. <laughs> so <laughs> stupid. Um, because at the beginning, what we what we find out is they're doing kind of like a child's matinee vignette of like uh, a Wizard of Oz type type thing. Um, and then you know we fast forward to I think ten years later maybe, uh, and. You know, Natasha Leone, her father has passed away and she has uh, inherited the theater and she's trying to save it. Just like any theater these days, we're just trying to keep them around and not be AMCs, all of them. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then, you know, through a series of unfortunate events, she ends up stabbing her, I think, stepmom. I don't think that's Step her mom. real yeah. mom. Um and what she doesn't realize is that it's all on uh, camera. It's all on security cameras. And then what she when she goes to start the movie, uh, she accidentally shows that. But people think it's a snuff film. They think it's like <laughs> a, a it's like an homage. And that's what kind of leads her down the road of making all these things. What I thought was hilarious is that she makes these snuff films, but then also somehow always makes it about like politeness at the movie theater, which I thought was really funny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like staying off of your phone or not talking during the movie or like, you know, a number which, of things. Look, people... I get it. I, I feel the same way about it. Maybe not quite as murderous, but it, 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 it uh, enrages me. 
Um, I don't know if you noticed, but when she was stabbing her stepmom, she was doing kind of an homage to um, Friday the 13th. She's like, kill her mommy, (laughs) kill her mommy. (laughs) I will, Jason, I will. (laughs) Um, And then um, the other part about, you know, the the murders happen. But the one that was so funny to me is the girl that's on, she's on her phone and she gets um, poisoned by Natasha Lyonne and her small Diet Coke. Um, And she wakes up in the theater and it's locked and she's the only one in there. And then she goes down to the basement. And what what they they are initially trying to do is put her in a guillotine, but her head doesn't fit in the the guillotine. (laughs) And I, it's I don't know what there's like something about the physical comedy of him trying to force her face through that little hole that was just so funny to me. Um, and then what they end up doing instead is putting her boobs. In yeah, the guillotine. I mean, you know, it just it, you just roll with it. You know what I mean? That's just what you just roll with it. Uh, one joke that I didn't that that's funny to think about now is that when the stepmom is handing over the paperwork to have her sign it to give it away, um, she's like, "Bed Bath and Beyond is going to make big bucks for this property," and I was like, "Oh, that has not aged well." Because no. <laughs> <laughs> now Bed Bath and Beyond is bankrupt and going out of business, but. <laughs> um, I think um, the, 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 at the end of the one, the tale of two severed titties, the, the tagline is, even in France, cell phones are rude, which I thought was <laughs> a little bit of a funny little stab there. But That's um, so good. Yeah, overall, I mean, and then the fact that like Peaches kind of shows up in her own movie exactly, and yeah. plays herself is kind of ingenious because it's 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 of a time when peaches was doing kind of midnight mass at the theater in san francisco because you know and so it's kind of like a little homage to that they even say like oh yeah she's like the famous like midnight movie drag queen um and uh i thought it was funny what was um the girl in line she's like uh what does she say she says something about like um her makeup she's wearing too much it's judy she says she's wearing too much makeup she looks like a drag queen and the drag queens are standing right behind her and they kind of give her like a scowl which i thought was really funny you know Um, one one quick thing about the midnight mass stuff too which of course it's a brilliant podcast and you know we love michael Verratti too um just brilliant stuff um but i didn't know this little tidbit of information so prior to making all about evil uh this is from uh from wikipedia uh Grinnell's Midnight Mass concept was created into the 2007 television series Midnight Mass with your host, Peaches Christ, in which Grinnell, performing as his drag character, Peaches Christ, uh, hosted airings of horror films. The series was funded by Mark Cuban, who had recently (laughs) purchased Landmark Theaters, the company that owned and operated the Bridge Theater, which Grinnell managed. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's crazy. It's just one of those like little factoids that I was like, huh. You, you, you never think you're going to see Mark Cuban in the same sentence, you know? Yeah, as, as Peaches Christ. Um, a couple of little tidbits that I thought that stood out to me as far as like physical comedy goes in the movie, because let's be honest, there's a lot of physical comedy in this movie. Um, the guy who plays the um, usher who she hires after he beats up the, the old woman on the street. Oh my God, and he's, he's so gross. He's just a gross pig. <laughs> But he has this really funny part where he's uh, the, they're standing in line and they're getting interviewed by the guy from the Morning Fog, the the you know the 
the TV show. And um, he just all of a sudden out of nowhere just goes, tickets! <laughs> just it came out of nowhere. It kind of like maybe like yeah, shocked for a second, but I just thought it was really funny. The other part with him that I thought was hilarious is when he's going in the finale when he's going to stab um, the, our characters and the body falls on top head down on top of his head like a severed head goes in, into his body which i thought was really <laughs> hilarious um and he kind of dances around with a body on top of his head for a second um the other part comes from peaches herself there's a really funny part at the very end and it's a blink and you'll miss it but it made me crack up is where natasha leone's character is um blowing kisses into the audience yeah and um peaches kind of just does like a little like oh i'm gonna catch it Oh, it was it stood out to me i just thought it was really funny um but yeah overall i just think that this is a highly underseen movie i think more people will see it now that it's on shutter uh here in the u.s i'm glad to see that it's getting distribution through that because i do think that this was a little bit of a lost film you know what i mean Totally. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I, I really hate how distribution works. Like, just put it on Shutter over here, too. It's so stupid that I just couldn't watch it that way. Um, but I mean, you're absolutely right. It's, it's once again back back to the access issue, you know. So, you know, uh, watch this. If, if you've not seen it yet. And, I'm, and once again, just like Psycho Beach Party, I'm going to guess most of you probably have not. Go watch this. It's so good. And it's, you know, it's starring, you know, some, some really great people. Watch it. Yeah. Um, one other part that made me cringe is where the librarian, um, she basically forces her sewn up mouth open. Oh, God. That oh, part God. really got me. Um, I love, uh, I love Mink Stoll so fucking much. Like, how can you not love Mink Stoll? Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if there was anything else. There's like a ton of stuff in this movie. Um, I, the girl at the at the end, who's kind of like the bully, when she takes all those shots of the of the Kool Aid, of the poison Kool Aid, yeah, and her, it, it cuts to her a couple times after that, and slowly you start to see that like her face is starting to blow up, and then <laughs> you see that, and she basically like turns into like a uh, like toxic a little, Avenger, yeah, like a little <laughs> monster kind of thing. <laughs> her face falls off and everything, which I thought was a a fitting ending to that character um everyone kind of like gets their comeuppance in this movie the only one that i kind of was hoping something worse would happen was the teacher yeah (laughs) because we have this teacher character who has been basically telling everyone that steven is going to shoot up the school or steven is going to do something crazy because he draws scary photos or and likes horror films yeah and so i was kind of hoping that um debbie would fall on top of her at the end but instead she just gets splattered with her blood which is fine i just wanted that character to get some worse <laughs> a worse i get it you know yeah. <laughs> she deserved it um i thought it was really funny that um debbie uses a soup kitchen as a potential casting <laughs> for her movies <laughs> Um, just like bringing in like homeless people because nobody will miss them like that's a common like a very like thing to do in these kind of movies i i don't know just it was it was it was really funny to see um and then like just uh san francisco as a character was really fun you know we don't get a ton of san francisco stuff and so like seeing san francisco in 2000 i mean san San francisco's not doing so well these days you know i know but at 2000 in 2010 it was like the epicenter uh, you know yeah of course 2010 prior was kind of epicenter of just like gay stuff in general you know what i mean yeah i do so 
Um, but yeah, overall, uh, you know, what a fantastic little movie. It's, it's, it's plays homage to a lot of your favorite horror stuff. And I just love it. I think it's a great movie. Me too. What'd you rate it? So out of the seven stripes of the Gale Rainbow, I'm going to give All About Evil a five and a half. And I said, really transplants you into a fucked up little world filled with homages to make any horror fan swoon. And I gave it a five. And I said, really enjoyed this fucked up little flick. Great photography, excellent cast, and Mink Stole being Mink Stole. Loved it. Well, that will do it for All About Evil. We'll take our last break and we'll be right back to close out the show. Are you looking for Okay, early to bed, early to rise makes a woman healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's why you're wiser than me. It's Stephen. Hi, I'm Maurice. I'm an executive by day and a wild man by night. Hi, my name's Monroe. Uh, you've probably already noticed that I have incredibly blue eyes. And that does it for another episode of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. Hope you had a blast with us, folks. But before we let you go... We have a final game for you. And the final game is one that we haven't played in a good long while. It is Slice Left, Slice Right. It is the horrific version of Tinder. And here we are. So, Andrew, I'm going to ask you about these people. And you're going to tell me whether you're slicing left, saying no, or slicing right, which means fuck me immediately. Thank you for reminding me of the rules because I had forgotten. (laughs) uh, No problem. Um, Okay. First off is from Psycho Beach Party, Kanaka. Tom, the, the him at that time, I'd slice right. I okay. mean, I, I had a huge crush on on Greg when Dharma and Greg was out. True. I think that that actor may be problematic these days, but oh, uh, no. oh. I don't remember. But, you know, oh. for Psycho Beach Party time, yeah, I'll slice right. Yeah. Why not? Whatever. He's cute. I'll slice right, too. He's not even, he's not even my type, and I'll slice right. Um, next one is from uh, All About Evil, Steven. A little too young for me, so I think I'm going to slice left on that one. I, with no surprise to anyone, I'm going to slice right. Uh, he is he is very very cute, and and he was a real cutie in that movie too. So slice right for me. All right, the next one on our list is Yo Yo. Slice right. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't hear our discussion on Psycho Beach Party, I think you know where we land on this. Like, one. Like, I'll slice like right. Literally immediately slicing right on him. He is so sexy. He's just, he's very, very sexy. All right. What about his counterpart, Provolone? Yeah, sure. I'm going to slice right on him too. In fact, I'm going to marry them both. And I'm going to have a crazy, weird thruple for the rest of my life with those two. How about that? Yeah, I'm also going to slice right, but we're going to have to go see a GI doctor, okay? Because you can't be constipated for that long. (laughs) That's not going to work. Well, listen, folks, hope you had a lot of fun in this episode and hope you really enjoyed our surprise guest, Peaches Christ, none other than. Um, Before we let you go, as I lose my voice, of course, right as I'm starting to talk about this, a couple of things here. If you want to support by the 13th, you can. You can become a patron on Patreon or buy merch. By going to our website, which is frygay13.com slash support. We do have a new patron, actually just came through today, and that is Michael Julian. So thank you so much, Michael, for your patronage to the show. Um, It really helps us do a lot of things like get recompensated for movies that we have to rent or replace equipment or, you know, God forbid, travel or anything like that. So, you know, it really goes all the way back into the show. We have a separate account just for the money that comes in for the show that we never take money out of unless it's for the show. 
So consider donating today. If you can't, we also will take a rating or review. You can do that in many, many places. The best places that help us out are on Apple uh, Podcasts and on Spotify. Amen. Spotify, I just looked the other looked the other day. We need some more reviews, though. So um, if you could just hit that five stars on Spotify as well, if you listen there, we'd really, really appreciate it. So, folks, <laughs> once again, thanks for being with us. And, Andrew, before we send these fine folks on their way, full of turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce, let's remind them that the number one thing they need to do this this day, more than anything, is to get, get slayed. slayed. <laughs>